Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Crow Talk. Film Squawk. Molly's Game. Directed by Aaron Sorkin. 2017. Welcome. If you're new to Crow Talk, we're going to start off this podcast with yays and nays. Three reasons to see this film, and three reasons maybe you shouldn't see this film. Then we'll squawk. This is when we discuss aspects of the film that stood out to each of us, details that really bothered us, and just generally talk your ear off. Finally, we will consider takeaways, things we want to remember moving forward about this film or film in general. Hi. 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 I'm Rochelle Robinson. And who else do we have here with us this month? I'm Stacy Reynolds. And I'm Cassidy Brooks. The story of Molly Bloom, an Olympic-class skier who ran the world's most exclusive high-stakes poker game and became an FBI target. So let's hear some reasons to see this film. Cassidy, why would you recommend someone watch Molly's Game? A reason you would want to see this film is because it's a true story about a strong woman. I would recommend seeing this movie if you want to see a woman um, successfully navigating in a man's world. And I really enjoyed watching Sorkin navigate his first directorial debut. So how about three reasons not to see this film? Stacy? A reason not to see this film for me would be it's a story about a woman that became about the men. I have no real reason to not see this film. I connected with it. Um, my only complaint was they had the main character in the highest stiletto heels I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> and it looked like she had a hard time walking in them, especially in carpeted scenes. Boo. <laughs> boo, boo. And uh, for me, Kevin Costner. <laughs> so can we just talk about Jessica Chastain for a minute? She plays Molly Bloom oh. in Sorkin's adaptation of the real Molly Bloom's book, Molly's Game, and Chastain. Thoughts? Amazing would be one thought. I mean, I've, especially recently, she's been really outspoken just in general. So like as a human, hell yeah, get it, girl. Her acting was phenomenal. Yeah. I thought she was phenomenal in it. I agree. I really went into this viewing considering how a man would navigate a woman's story, a true story, one that's already written down. Um, and so that's definitely how I approached my viewing. Uh, I struggled personally, um, like you said, Stacy, in your reason not to see this film, I struggled with the fact that he, you know, he did make it a lot about the men, unless that's how the book is written. And I, I'm not sure. That was something that I thought of as well the scenes with the lawyer, like her voice is, is constantly being taken away or with her father, she's being told how she feels. That was frustrating, but I've never read the true story. I'm assuming Molly Bloom read this, this adaptation. Um, so that would be an interesting thing to see what she has to say. I know that people talked a lot about her or they talked to her a lot about the, the incident itself, the poker game. And I'm curious about her relationship with her father, which... I know, Cassidy, you re that resonated with you, I think, because of your um, similar history. Yeah, I think I somewhat disagree with both of you that it was a story that became all about the men. I really disagree with that. I, I do agree in the sense that maybe, and unlike Rochelle and Stacy, I did not read 
the screenplay. Um, but so I agree with you, maybe in the sense that her father told her how she felt. I didn't consider that at the end of the film. But in my opinion, I felt like she was very, very strong. She was just strong in the sense that she kept it in. That's why she never dropped any names. That's why, I mean, I don't think she ever got overly emotional at all. I know in the screenplay, apparently she doesn't cry in the lawyer scene, but um, I don't know. I definitely, I disagree with both of you. Yes, I grew up skiing competitively, so that was cool. I identified with that part a lot, but um, yeah, otherwise I think it was just like who she was as a person more that maybe could have made it seem as though the men took more of the spotlight away from her or something or had more power. But to me, her power was that she was quiet. Her power was inside. It was that she wasn't like, because to me, she wasn't an emotional woman, really. And she was she was strong. And I think a lot of her strength came from her silence. I think one area that really stuck out to me as um, men taking over in the film, and maybe it's just me recognizing how it happens in real life, um, is in these men becoming her teachers and then insisting that they remain her teachers no matter what stage of life she gets to. Um, you know, Kevin Costner as her father, he was obviously uh, very dedicated her actual father was very dedicated to her skiing and to her athleticism and pushed her very hard. And she even says in both the screenplay and the film that, you know, all dads are hard on their kids in competitive sports, uh, specifically skiing. But he perpetuates that teacher mentality, as I guess most parents do, to the point where he, in the end of the film, makes it all about himself, um, even when he walks her through what he calls three years of therapy in like just a few minutes. Um, he makes it all about himself in the film. Um, it was quite different in the screenplay, which is fascinating to me. Um, a lot of the sarcastic tete-a-tete and motion that this relationship spiraled on, um, Molly and her father, it was not conveyed in Costner's performance for me. Um, he remained stern and self-centered throughout to the end. However, there, was, there were so many jokes in the screenplay that never landed for me, partially maybe because the, the dialogue was so rapidly paced and there wasn't enough space for those jokes to land. Um, I'm not sure why, but that is one example of how men took over uh, this film for me. Yeah, the, the dad had decided the reasons why Molly behaves the way she does. And she does, um, throughout the conversation, she does question if he's right or not. She's like, oh, really? You know, the reason why I do this is because I want to control powerful men. She, like, she does question that, which I appreciate. And I think that she does have a voice in the film. And it's not that the men completely um, eclipsed that. But I definitely, I just felt... I definitely felt that particularly in that scene. I'm talking about like, what something? if her dad is just a self-centered asshole? Because that's exactly what he seemed like the entire time. That's what she called him. Right. And so, like, sure, he's making that conversation about himself because he's a self-centered asshole. Like, maybe it isn't even Sorkin's writing necessarily. Like, maybe it's the dad as a human being. You know, because I didn't sense it so much in The Lawyer. Like, The Lawyer is an interesting dynamic with Molly in my opinion, because he admires her. 
and he admires her like ruthlessness almost you know like while trying to kind of like tell his daughter like (laughs) but like the reality is right she's the daughter's role model and so I feel like the lawyer admires her and I wonder if the dad is just a self-centered asshole the whole time and that's why it is all about him and it's always been all about him you know even in that scene where she's listening to her mom like on the phone it's about him being a self-centered asshole. And it's interesting they left so much of that family dynamic out of it, but and maybe that's why it's causing so many questions too. Well, there was, it was really apparent in the screenplay, but it was less apparent on, on the screen itself that there was a setup and a delivery. Like there definitely was a setup during the filming of her as a teenager where she's saying how on their birthdays, she and her brothers were interviewed And in the screenplay, she's supposed to be like this too sexy teen that's a father's worst nightmare. And she's supposed to be looking at him and answering these questions like she's answering him. And later he says it's because he knew that she knew that he had cheated on her mom when she didn't have any conscious recollection of it. And so he has attributed all of his behavior and hers to this unconscious, I mean, he has a psychology master in his own mind psychologists are the worst parents (laughs) yeah so he he thought he just assumed that she was behaving this way because she unconsciously remembered his transgressions but it's okay and he was still a great parent because his kids were successful but she doesn't think he's a great dad right but he does and in year two of therapy (laughs) he's like i'm still a great dad Right. But again, that comes back to being like so Mm self-absorbed that he can't see anything that his kid. And I mean, maybe that's the entire point of that conversation, too. And like the point of leaving him out and having him do like shady things to his family along the way. You know, to me, it all just sounds like he's a self-centered person that can't see past his own shortcomings. Personally, I don't think it was Sorkin like trumping. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know, overpowering Molly's character by her father, like telling her like this, this, this. Because even in that scene, I think I agree with you, Stacy, where she doesn't seem to buy all of it. You know, she's questioning it. Like, what? Who the fuck are you to say this to me? And perhaps some of it is coming from her reaction as well. When he finally gets emotional about someone hurting her, you know, she forgives him in that moment. And throughout the film, it's clear that they've reconciled. And it's more clear in the screenplay that they've reconciled. Like, they have dialogue. And the mother's there. She has dialogue with her mom before the trial even happens. So it's just, you know, okay, here's a lifetime of frustration. You cheated on my mom, and I passively have been blaming you my whole life. And that's why every single action is defined by you. And now I, now you cried on my shoulder because someone was going to kill me. I don't know. It's. I think that's but, where it, it gets... Um, maybe that's where some of my... Uh, where I'm developing this reaction to the film. Maybe. Yeah. Because, see, for me, that makes him seem weak. And Molly seems stronger. That her dad is, like, after all this time, like, crying to her about, like, not knowing that. It also seems like a very real moment if you have a sensitive dad. Like, or I guess he's kind of insensitive. But where he would you know, because of an emotional reaction with your family, you know. But even in that moment, to me, it was like Molly had to take care of her father. He wasn't helping Molly. Like, Molly essentially was helping her dad. Like, because in the movie, that's when they were reconciling their different... It was, like, all about, like, kind of Molly being strong enough and stronger than her father to then be able to, like, hold her sobbing father. You know, maybe the strength all along... It's Molly, you know? It's not her father. I think you're absolutely right. Um, 
that this is a divergent point because there's really no way to tell what originates from the book or what originates from Sorkin or what this this film had three editors. I don't even know what that means. I don't I don't even know where to start with that. But after reading the screenplay and realizing all that was cut, like okay, we have a pretty good idea that player X who is the primary player um, to get all the other players on board when Molly has to move her game. They look to him to, to get the nod, yes, we're going to do this. We're pretty sure he's Tobey Maguire. She calls him the green-screened little shit in the screenplay, which is, and it's this is 2010, and that is Spider-Man. Okay, and I mean the casting, too, with Michael Sarah. Really good. Really good. On- I thought that was just Sorkin being brilliant at casting. Like, look at this head honcho little man that's right. running the show. He's actually called a shorter man in the screenplay, Player X. But what is primarily left out, I'm going to let Stacey do the honors in a second, the character or the real-life person who's primarily left out is Player Y, completely edited. And that is Justin, Justin Timberlake. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe they edited him out. It's uh. so important i believe it was so important now i it probably would have been a huge bummer him and jessica beale yeah because they were dating at that time she's in the screenplay jessica beale makes one small little appearance and calls molly millie and it's later too and it happened so much earlier it was a huge plot point early on in the film but it was the whole reason why the la game dissolved well that sounds like justin timberlake said no you can't use my name. I mean, I have no idea what it is, but it, they describe this player Y as having been coined the sexiest man by people, winning nine Grammys and having his last two records top at number one. And who else who is that? Else could it be? That could not be anybody else. I don't know. <clears throat> I did a big research on it last yeah, week. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Justin Timberlake. So anyway, it, it the thing I think that was missing when. Player Y was removed uh, is definitely the human side of the players. Uh, you get a little bit of that with a couple of the other players, you know, like Douglas Downey. Um, sort of, but they're all just like the same broken man mm-hmm. to me. Like you could interchange that dialogue with Downey with any of the other men or like Y in the bathroom because mm-hmm. that was Y for a hot minute in that bathroom, right? That was like... I love you, let's get on a plane tonight yes. and go. He's, he's supposed to have sent right? an email. Like, you could interchange any dialogue. I mean, even to the point of the of her main man that she was working for, like, when she started up in it. I feel like with any of them, like, they're all the same man to me. Like, they're all the same man. Yeah, and when Dean takes the game away from her, he's reared it in the screenplay, but whatever. When Dean takes the game away from her, she has to make it on her own, and she does, And then it just seems like every single man, including Dean, just gets upset at her because they think that she is sleeping with every guy but her. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, which is kind of, and I wonder if this is, again, like Sorkin or if this was real life experience too, because I'm like, seriously, guys? But, I mean, the real life Molly, wow, beautiful woman. Oh, yes. So, I mean, it could, the casting Spot on. Spot on. I hope she did choose Jessica Chastain because, wow, girl, you know yourself. Seriously. <laughs> I think that's a good point, though. I think there, I think that's where my nay comes from, is that there are all these passive redirecting it from a male point of view. Like with 
with everyone being accusing her of sleeping with everyone else. And then she has to make a point of that on the record. Like that was the one thing she had to really make clear is that she didn't sleep with, with everyone. Um, I don't know, like you said, I don't know if that was something that Molly was like, I really want to make this clear or if that's an a, uh, inherent dialogue coming from a man's point of view. Like women always have this sexy agenda because women always have to be sexy. I mean, and that is an interesting thing in a man writing it, that he wrote all these characters. And I don't know. I haven't read her book, right? right. So I don't have that context to draw from. But like, <laughs> I don't know. It's almost just like a man taking a stereotypical Baywatch babe and like writing that into like the ideal, but like doing the exact, it's doing the same thing, but with men. Like we're so stupid. That's something I have a problem with with male writers too is I feel like they like, take away the opportunity for men to be sensitive or emotional and not in the sense of like crying in the corner but just as like emotionally intelligent human beings and they strip that away from them and they're like you're a dumb monkey that wants to get your dick wet and that's all (laughs) you want and it creates problems and so that to me is a question I guess like is that a man like thinking that that's how we view them or like what's up with that Sorkin that also becomes then the job of the woman to take care of the men, which is what Molly is doing the entire time. She's protecting and caring for these broken men the whole time. And same with her father. Her father finally comes clean and she has to hold him while he cries on her shoulder. So that again, and maybe this is me externally like funneling frustrations I have, is that it's on her to, to take care of these men. It's interesting because as unimpressed, truthfully, as I was walking out of the theater, um, once I was able to go through the whole screenplay and really dig into what Sorkin had intended this to be, um, I found the cyclicality that was inherent in the screenplay that really didn't translate to to the screen for me. I mean, at the very beginning, um, Molly says that her dream, like if she were to look back and say that what her dream had been, it would have been to create a foundation that sees young women and also teaches young girls to ignore most of their current role models. And you get that great thread that weaves in uh, with Charlie's daughter reading The Crucible and how she is idolizing Molly. And ultimately, Charlie says that that's bad parenting on her mother's part. And so it's just... It's so interesting um, how that gets divided up. But at the same time, you know, at the end of the movie, you see what was woven in from the beginning. That's what had intended because that's exactly what she did. That's exactly what she did. She just didn't do it as a skier. I guess all games are technically the same. It's just about winning. Yeah. Well, and that's what I thought was interesting about the skiing element was it, I mean, that train of thought impacted everything else she did afterwards and it was like her athletic mindset intense focus intense focus like over physical comforts and stuff you know Mm -hmm. but again I think Molly was still self-made in the whole thing like she had an opportunity and she really capitalized on it you know she was doing all of the research to figure out how to make the game what it was she's the one that moved it from the cd bar to the what was the first hotel in LA? I don't remember the like the Ritz Carlton or something. But which is also funny because it's like the woman's touch made it <laughs> more elegant and desirable. But I don't know. Yeah, I felt like she was very much like in control the whole time. 
and I liked how she like broke it down with her athletic like background. Mm -hmm. Well, and it helps, obviously it helps show her as the real person that she is. And then when you get to the end and you are grappling with the injustice of this indictment brought against her, or what 31 mobsters, well, and herself included, are listed in this indictment and they raided everyone simultaneously, but she hadn't run a game in two years. And it was interesting, and I, I can't remember if it was actually in the film or in the screenplay, but she was talking about the way that witches were actually killed in Salem and how she talks about um, sometimes they would just pile stones on their chests until they crushed them and them taking all of her money and them forcing her to decide whether she was going to be a free woman and, and receive justice or if she's going to maintain her integrity. And those sound like heavy stones to me. It would have just been so interesting to see how a woman would have adapted it or maybe directed it. Like, I do think that the screenplay, the direction failed the screenplay. I agree. Majorly. Like, um, I would, it would have been interesting for Sorkin to, to just pass that on to a woman to to interpret. I know he, like, talked to Fincher, or I read. He's talked to Fincher, and, you know, Kevin Costner himself is an actor-director, and I guess he was very helpful. But the writing, I assumed, based on watching this film, that it was a poorly written screenplay. And I, I was wrong. I mean, it just won at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. So, and I am not as upset about that now having finished the screenplay as I had been initially. Um, I am really interested. Uh, I'm going to definitely pick up Molly's game and see if the book finishes with a Winston Churchill quote. I don't know why that sticks oh. out to me, but she's talking about wanting to establish new role models for women. And so that seemed incongruous to me. <laughs> and so yeah, I'm going to definitely pick up the book and see if that's true or if that was just a little Sorkinese. Same with uh, that line, sometimes God happens quickly sometimes god happens fast is that what the quote is sometimes god happens fast Mm -hmm. it's just like oh my god is that sorkin or is that or is that molly and boy does it not work right here (laughs) i mean like sorkin (laughs) i think what's interesting about molly is that we can definitely depend on her not divulging the truth because she is more interested in protecting the people than her own image you know to a degree and I or think at least something that... to remember about her protecting, because like her protecting the men, right? She's not. She's protecting their wives and their children and stuff. I just wanted to throw that out because mm-hmm. somebody had said like protecting all these men, but she's not. She was doing it not at all for the men, but for the well-being of their families. Sure. Yeah. And she says she's doing it. Well, I mean, I think it's a little like she's trying to make up for something when she says this. Maybe she, maybe just her own understanding of her past hubris. But this false modesty of saying, I'm actually, I'm, just, I'm actually doing it for myself. Well, yeah, maybe. But I don't think your name is, is actually what's driving this. I think you're using that as an excuse. It's not because it's your only name. It's because you don't want to hurt people. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think she expresses that in different ways throughout the film, you know. Because never once did she come, she comes across, at least in my opinion, as like a caring person who is so strong to the point of, like, taking it to the grave with her, her strength, you know? But 
I guess what I took away from her was, yeah, she was doing it to protect, like, the women and children of these, like, crazy wealthy men, you know, and not destroying their lives because of, like, her happening to be at a poker game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And getting to listen in on everything these men decided they needed to talk about. Which is interesting in today's social context as far as Me Too goes. Um, And we're going so extreme with getting upset with other women for not being vocal. Mm -hmm. Or there was something going on with Rose McGowan and Meryl Streep. Rose McGowan is just like hitting it hard. And so that's just interesting. (laughs) I think it's... I think it's it's very poignant in in the context of today, her protecting these men and allowing them to behave poorly. Um, and I, yeah, her interests are in the their families, of course. But it's interesting, you know. It's this movie was about a man's world and a woman. I mean, yeah, but she made it her world, right? Like when she goes to the Ritz Carlton, she brings in all women to work with her, and like after the games, it's like lady time. You know, and she's taking advice from the female dealer. Like, I think it's a hard or it's an interesting movie to discuss because she is like fully in the most powerful man's world she could be in. But yeah, again, I think she was so strong the whole time, like even being able to exist in that world and manipulate that world like shows extreme strength of a woman. You know? I agree. And she is kind of preying off the weakness of men in a way, but she doesn't like. I don't know. She just came across as a caring person all together. Even just telling people, like, do you really think you need to re-up or whatever, get more money out, you know, poker terms. And I don't mean to imply that she is weaker because she's operating in a man's world or that because maybe I felt that Sorkin in some maybe passive or inherent way made it about the men that that weakened her position there. And, and it's just it's kind of like the world we live in. And maybe that's just a, in, a really internal frustration that I have and a filter that I'm projecting on everything because it is that way. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I don't think that because she was protecting the men or, or the choices she made somehow made her less than, you know, she was absolutely incredible. And, like, sexy, but they didn't over-sexualize her, I feel like. You know, there was never, like, men would be like, I want to do it with you. But it was never, like, a point of the film, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. I thought he navigated it well. Well, she seemed to draw a pretty strong line uh, for herself and her professionalism and her dedication to her career. Mm-hmm. Um And it's interesting. Yeah, and, I mean, it is all self-serving, right? Because, like, her intention was to go to law school. She was saving all Mm -hmm. that money to go to law school. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she was kind of taking advantage of the men. Mm -hmm. Well, and it is interesting, you know, discussing the idea that she was so strong and she navigated this man's man's world. I think at one point she called it the man cave she created. Yes, she created like the most exclusive man cave in the entire world. That's when she was like, and I just want to get out of it. Right, and that's Mm -hmm. that's what I'm wondering about. It's just like, how long can you perpetuate taking care of people in this way, taking care of men without using drugs and, you know, having to stay up all night, most nights running so many games every week, and then the money not being able to make that kind of money anywhere else. I mean, does this sound like any other profession? 
around the world that we can think of. Any any exploitive She's profession about prostitution, prostitution, <laughs> or, or, stri- or, or stripping. Mm-hmm. It's just when it's glamorized, which is interesting too. Just in the like point where we're at as a society, I think we're so obsessed with the like decadent. Mm-hmm. I mean, her income was all tip, right? That was her income. Yeah, they were tips. But that's not even the writing. That's just like our amazing country. Thanks, guys. Woo. But that's a really interesting point, Rochelle, that like, yeah, where women can make a lot of money in a night is like by completely exploiting their bodies. Or at the mercy of men's charitability. Which is what we see with this. Because yeah. she right. managed to not exploit her body, mm-hmm. even though, you know, even she quaffed herself yes, I mean, into her did. Cinemax version, whatever, you know, Charlie coined her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kept it to herself. She was creating the environment. She was creating the lie. Which even as a man, you would have to go out and buy a nice suit to hang with those dudes. Oh, yeah. You know, you'd have to go drop a couple thousand on a suit. If you didn't already have To not have get laughed at. Or you just do them. what JT did and, like, wear a jean jacket. And, like, Cornrows. Cornrows. Yeah. Can we talk about the part where she got the shit kicked out of her? This is a weird takeaway. Yeah. But, like, I loved it because... I feel oftentimes in movies, unless it's like a joke where a man fights a woman, you never see like physical brutality against a female unless it's rape. Well, they took out the blowjob. Oh, he he, th- made- he sexually threatens her. Yeah, in the screenplay. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> Somebody didn't read the screenplay. Never mind. He no, talks- but that's interesting. I'm glad they took it out. Like, I agree. They didn't okay, need it. I they thought, didn't need it. And I thought that was refreshing. I was like, oh, interesting. A very violent scene with a woman that doesn't include, which apparently did include in real life. Fuck off. <laughs> well, and but I wonder okay. if that is the true story. And then it was edited out. It's that same question again. Right. What's real? What's not real? Haha. Her relationship with the son of the Yank, whoever owns the Yankees, that was completely omitted, and I'm actually glad about that. There was something but, about the Yankees. Was there in the film? Yeah, there was. It was like one line. Somebody that owned the Yankees was in there. Yeah, and she, but oh, she has. They a, were a player. Yeah, that's right in the movie. Yeah, oh right, because mm-hmm. he comes in and they, they crumple up the napkin mm-hmm. and let it dissolve oh, right. into yeah. the drink, and the girls are like, "Is that necessary?" And she goes, "No." <laughs> see i think it's interesting like yeah she's playing on all of these like sexy lady tropes but like using them as power which is irritating but like women have been doing that forever which is why i think her boss dean he fires her. he t- tells her to get rid of her bitchy air or her bitchy, bitchy attitude when she hadn't even started she was just beginning well, and not being a bitch just being powerful he was threatened. I mean, classic. He was threatened by her. I mean, he was threatened by her. It was a, He's an interesting character. Even just bringing her into the room, I was like, you're threatened by her? Like the first game when she's in her JCPenney dress. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where are you keeping tallies of the buy-ins? She's like, yeah. He's like, where's the paper? She's like, spreadsheet. <laughs> and he is, yeah, he accuses her of having sex with Player X, with everyone. And he's not him. Constant. He's so insecure. I mean... But it seems like a shared trait as time went on with the most high-profile men at the table. Right. Except for Player X. Though he did express some weirdness about her not, like, chatting with him after the games Mm -hmm. and hanging out. But he never, there was never, well, yeah, that was a tricky one. Because he was giving her eyes of, like... Just waiting for it to become 
more fun because it's country. flirtatious when yeah. it was all business. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he wanted he it. He would have had sex with her. You. <laughs> Toby McGuire would have had sex <laughs> with the beautiful Molly Bloom. With the beautiful Molly Bloom. Now let's talk about takeaways. What do we each take away from this film? I mean, for me, I definitely took away, like, her silent power. Like, there was power in her silence. And I feel like she showed that the entire, like, whether she's on her laptop Googling everything under the sun during a game or silently creating a beautiful spreadsheet or silently, you know, like, keeping silent for the sake of the people's families. For me, it was that her silence was actually a really powerful tool. I anticipate Sorkin's next directorial effort. I am hopeful that he will be more economical with his words and that dialogue delivery and being more of an actor's director, getting that final performance out. There's just so many jokes that were spot on in the screenplay that just did not land for me. And I felt like it was a shame. I want to see his writing accurately executed for the screen. Going back to my reasons not to see the film about it being a man's world, in in some ways, uh, Aaron Sorkin depicted exactly how it is. Whether that, and it's not that he, maybe he didn't invent some of these things. Maybe they were already there because Molly Bloom said this is how it went. And, and so maybe that's my own frustration with just the status quo. Um, I think with such an, an amazing woman, it was more vital than ever to have a, a woman adapt that screenplay and direct it. And I'm so interested in what that would look like. I feel like this was a really important story. Um, and I wish a woman had, had been more involved on that top level. I mean, it was one man on the top, two top tier levels, writing and directing. I just wish that it would have been a woman and I'm curious to see the nuances that would have been teased out coming from a woman's perspective versus a man's perspective. It's just a totally different lens. It is. And it's a lens that has been so dearly neglected. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like Oprah said, because we all carry that like across different ethnicities, races, religions, continents, mm -hmm. doesn't matter. So yeah, I do agree. It's just tricky right now because it's like, I don't want to be, I don't know. Well, I think what you're, I think the problem, I don't, I don't want people to confuse or believe that when someone says a, a woman should have written this, that men are all men are incapable. That's not what that means. It They're means literally capable. that a woman should have written this yes. because she has a more clear perspective, a more direct connection with the content. That doesn't mean it's males are bad or that they right. shouldn't write. Like, I am not the right person to go write about underground boxing I realm, wonder... right? I'm not a man. I don't box. A male boxer or maybe someone who's interested in that world or if it's a, a man might story, be more connected yeah. to it. Unless it's a woman boxer in an right. underground all-male boxing world. Then I want a woman to write that. I do. I do. I want to see it through At least that's eyes. where we're at right now is how I feel. Sure. I just think it's hard with adaptations. Like, I think it would be strange if Sorkin, like, developed this story about a woman that he, like, wrote out of his heart. And it was like, this is a woman. But, like, adapting, I think. I don't know. I think I'm suddenly feeling sensitive about, like, I don't know, just not, like, bashing Sorkin for being interested in this particular adaptation. I'm that's what I mean. I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful he was. I'm glad right. this got made. I don't know the back end of any of it. And I, after reading the screenplay, I'm a lot more happy. Um, I wonder if Molly got to read that too, or like, did I'm Molly sure have did. any say? And, you know, like, what was her role in all of this? It depends Maybe what that... she signed. It depends, like, what creative integrity she wanted to maintain. At the end of know. the screenplay, she said that she didn't. Oh, some place in the screenplay, she said she didn't get much for the book, but everyone was very interested in her life rights. Weird. Buying her life rights. Okay, well, that's insane. I just, but like on this project, I wonder. This is life rights. Like this is what it means. Like this is this is what they mean. Like making movies, doing doing other tours, all that kind of stuff about her life. Mm. They weren't so interested in her book, but they wanted to tell stories about her. Essentially, is how I is how hmm. I interpreted that. I would love to really actually find out what she thinks of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wonder if she was like the silent woman that was like checking the screen. I, it's just a question. Yeah, yeah. we don't like, know. Maybe she was the one. And again, it all comes back to circumstance. So we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, how is this happening? It's like, no, that's how it happened. This mm-hmm. one's a tricky one. I it think, is tricky. For me, if it was a man who had just like written it out of his heart. It was like, here's a story I'm going to write about a woman. I'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? But the fact, I can't ding him as hard that he, like, really wanted to make an adaptation out of it. Because I'm like, yeah, dude, if I would have read that, I would have been like. Right. And, I again, I don't, by saying I wish a woman would have written it does not mean that I want to, like, bash Sorkin. Like, right. it's just that that is the landscape that we live in. And it should change. So I'm, I'm uh, that statement I hope that it's taken on a macro level. And that to say, I think we should make a movie about boxing and blowjobs. And then you guys, men out there, can see what that feels like to watch. <laughs> I'm sure Tom Hardy would be in. Tom Hardy. <gasps> oh, yes. I'll call doing him. it. I'll call him. You're <laughs> doing it. After this, you know, once Tobey Maguire hears this, once Justin <laughs> Timberlake hears this, they're going to be on any project. Oh, no, yes. Tobey Maguire's not. What? Be mean to Toby Maguire. Oh no, he's like, do that. Be mean. I'm in. Is he? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Fine, Toby. You're stupid. You're. I don't know how I feel about you, Toby. Yeah, yeah, reverse psychology. Yeah. I learned it in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I burped. I have to pee. Thanks for joining us. This was fantastic. This was fantastic. Freestyle ski. Watch Molly's game. Movies are so cool. Movies are the coolest, and so are you. Oh, definitely. This has been a Talking to Crows production. 